What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 three three Blazers. My name is Orlando Sanchez. We're switching it up today. I've got people <laughs> sitting in different spots. Yeah, you got. You're not. You can't say Jared Cali to my no, right, Nate Hansen to my left, Max Barr on the one. It's all the switched flow, up. The flow is going to be different <laughs> for this show, guys. Jared Cowley is taking over for Max Barr, who's got the day off. We miss you, Max. Jared, hold it down for us on the ones and twos. And Nate Hanson, he is on my right today. <laughs> I am. Switching it up on you, man. <laughs> we, we do miss Max, that is yes. for sure. That yeah, also man. means, unfortunately... No rip it today. Sorry, so, everyone. I don't know if we should have told the listeners that right here. <laughs> now they <laughs> turn it off please, right yeah, now. <laughs> please don't turn off the podcast. We still got a good one in store, even without rip it. Max is uh, getting an early start to his Thanksgiving break, which is totally okay. Oh, yeah, man. If the numbers drop, we will refer to Max as the ratings king. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's joining us. And uh, this has been just uh, – it's been a while since the Blazers have been home. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. True. They come home licking their wounds after what was a pretty brutal stretch of basketball for the Portland Trailblazers overall. But it did end on a high note. Yes. What did you guys think of the way uh, Carmelo Anthony and the Blazers were able to finally win a game on the road? I mean, it was it was weird in the sense that everything after the San Antonio game was so bad on that road trip that going into the Bulls game, you're thinking no matter what happens tonight, there's no way as a Blazers fan or as a player or someone with the Blazers organization, you can feel good about this team when they come back (laughs) to play Oklahoma City and Portland. And sure enough, they found a way to make (laughs) us feel good at the end of the road trip somehow. I know I texted you after the game on Monday and said that was the most fun I've had watching a Blazers game since the very first night of the season when they played that thriller against Denver. Yeah, man. Like, it was entertaining basketball. It was fun to watch. Obviously, winning helps a ton, but it was just they looked in a groove. They looked in a flow. They looked like this is the team that had been playing together for 15 games already this year. And it was just we're so not used to seeing that this year. That took me by quite a surprise, and it was a pleasant surprise at that. It was fun to see them having fun. as well and seeing Damian Lillard out there cheer for Carmelo when he hit his big shot and had a dunk and seeing the guys all rally together they're hugging each other Mm -hmm. that was something that I felt wasn't as visible yeah in recent and and plain and simple I mean they've got a win for them to be having that type of fun but I wonder if there wasn't a discussion privately about that type of stuff because it was noticeable early on in the first quarter even when they weren't winning because remember they trailed Mm. by one at the end of the first quarter so it wasn't like they were dominating immediately but you could see the extra energy the extra cheering from the bench the extra energy just and intensity on the floor from the guys playing it was noticeable right off the bat against the Bulls so I wonder if privately there were some discussions had after the Cleveland loss which may have been their most embarrassing of the year, which is a growing list of embarrassing losses this year. But they may have had a meeting after that, and they certainly looked like a different team against the Bulls. The tricky part for me is not allowing myself to get too swayed by one game. (laughs) Against a pitiful team. right? Against a very very bad Bulls team. And I think that you'll see in today's podcast that I am failing at that effort. All right. (laughs) Yes, that's what I like. I like enthusiastic, optimistic Jared back in the house, baby. Just think if we were having this conversation after the Cleveland game. Oh, my gosh. This podcast would have a completely different tone. And while Jared may be super optimistic, I'm also going to tease, I think – 
we're going to have a nice little balance here between me and Jared. I I yet to know where you fall on the spectrum. We'll find yeah, out. Yeah, because I, I definitely was feeling some kind of way after the uh, Cleveland game. I mean, yeah. that was brutal. I mean, I was even kind of opening up on Sports Sunday, which I rarely do, is, is uh, dive into the commentary realm. But with John out, um, yeah, that that was a, a brutal game to watch. So it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of talk about this roller coaster even over the last couple of games. But now the Portland Trailblazers get back home. We finally get a chance to see Carmelo Anthony in person. I'm really excited to see what the energy will be like at the Moda Center. Yep. And it's just been a couple of weeks since we've had basketball here in Portland. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure uh, and, and uh, join the conversation. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can hit us up on our new email address that we have. Jared, what's our email address? You can find us at 3on3blazers at gmail.com. We had a ton of comments uh, over the past few weeks since we've been asking, and it's always made us better, I feel like, the yeah, conversation. Yes. It's added a new dynamic yeah. to the pod as well. The great thing about the fan comments and fan questions is that you guys ask things that we may be afraid to right. jump into on this podcast without being given a nudge towards it. <laughs> and so no, no matter your take, definitely feel free to send them to us because we're not afraid to talk about them. So let's get into it. You guys know how this goes. We have three questions. We've got three answers because, well, there's three of us. So question number one, Carmelo Anthony played his best game in more than a year against the Bulls. Can this kind of production or close to it be expected going forward? Go, Jared. Start the <laughs> optimism train. Here we go. All right, before I get into my optimistic take, 25 and 8, that's not going to that, that's not continue to happen. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't know what the parameters are and what we're deciding about. <laughs> you know, can this kind of production, what kind of production are we talking about? I think if we're expecting him to average 25 and 8 going forward, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I do think he can absolutely maintain or even increase his current production level. If you just look at the four games he's played with the Blazers, he's averaging 16 points, five boards, two assists, a steal, and he's shooting inefficiently from the field, 39%, but he's shooting efficiently from three because he's shooting 39% from three. I think that he can kind of maintain those those stats or something close to it. I just want to talk. I think that Carmelo Anthony, for me, is playing much better than I expected him to. And I really think it starts, the first thing that has really impressed me is it's so evident how hard he worked while he was away from the NBA in the past year. And that he didn't have to do that. He could have felt sorry for himself, been angry that, you know, he was done wrong by the Houston Rockets. Whatever he had done, it would have been understandable. Yeah. But he came back ready to play. Mm -hmm. And that's so impressive and shows a lot about his character. Yeah. And so that's been impressive. And because he came back ready to play, it's allowed him to play a lot of minutes. Yes. He's averaging almost 30 minutes per game with the Blazers. Mm. And he looks like he can play more if he needs to. And that's so important for this roster because they need someone who can chew up all those minutes at power forward because they're so thin at that position. So having him come in and be able to play 30 minutes a game and also produce in those 30 minutes, it's huge. It's such a big, just a boon for this team. Yep. And I think that with Carmelo, he's in such a perfect situation for him. The situation in Portland is ideal because he's starting – he knows he's going to start. There's no question about that. He's playing power forward, which is his ideal position right now. And he's been given the auto autonomy to play to his strengths. You know, he's not being shoehorned into a role that does not fit him 
like he was, especially in Houston and also in Oklahoma City, where they're saying, Carmelo, just go stand in the corner and wait for the ball to come to you and, and, and shoot, catch and shoot threes. That was basically what they said they wanted him to do in both of those stops. And that doesn't play to his strengths. In Portland, you're seeing he is taking a lot of catch and shoot threes. He's open on those threes. He's taking them. And other than the bad game he had against Cleveland, he's been making them. But he's also operating in the post. He's getting those ISO opportunities. You're seeing the iconic Carmelo jab step. I mean, he's the Blazers are letting mellow be mellow. And so far, it's working out great for them. And so I think that 25 and 8, no. But what he's doing and what you've seen in the first four games, absolutely yes. Okay, we're going to be a little bit closer on the slot line. I was hoping Jared was going to push. So you thought I was going to be like, uh, maybe not was going to be an all-star. No, 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 but but no. Let's say, let's give you a quick over-under here in terms of points per game, Uh, 18 points per game. I think he could hit that, yeah. Okay. I think he can average between 15 and 20. Okay, that's fair. So I wouldn't go that high with Carmelo. So the, the immediate answer to the question is, can we expect this going forward? To me, it's no. And I'm not doing this just to rain on Melo Fever. He's been, especially again in the Chicago game, he won them that game yeah. against the Bulls. I just don't think it's realistic to expect that he can continue to play at a level even similar to the Chicago game consistently night in and night out. Now, with that said, I don't think his performance against the Bulls will be an isolated performance. I think we're going to see him have a couple more games like that where maybe he breaks the 30-point barrier. Yeah. I think he's going to get hot some games, and he's an aggressive scorer, and he knows when he's hot, and Dame and CJ will know when he's hot, and they'll get him the ball so he can go get some buckets. But I can't ignore the previous three games. And, yes, a lot of it was the 0-for-8 against Cleveland in terms of the outside shooting and the shooting percentage. But in those first three games, he was averaging 13 points per game, shot 34% from the field, 31% from three. His net rating was nearly minus 10. Yeah. And so to me, I can't just ignore that and discount it completely just because of one really good game he had against a bad team in the Bulls. And so, But do I expect him to be that bad moving forward consistently? No. I think he's kind of going to be right in between what we saw against the Bulls And what we saw when he first joined the Blazers was thrust into a roster with teammates he had never even Mm -hmm. met before until hours before the game against the Pelicans. I think he's going to be right in between there. I think it's realistic to expect he can average 13 to 15 points per game and shoot 40% from the field. That's what he averaged at Oklahoma City and Houston. I think that's a reasonable expectation for him moving forward. And although that production may not be as high as Jared thinks he could reach, that is still a major step up from what they're getting at the power forward position before bringing on Mello to this train. So I have a, a follow-up question for you. I mean, I don't. I think he could average between 15 and 20. Yeah. I think 15 is more realistic for me. Do you think he, I mean, I think I said, yeah, I could see him averaging 18. Do you think it's a possibility? No. Okay. No, I don't see him averaging 18 points per game. And also just there, I mean, Damian Lillard, like Carmelo Anthony's usage has been extremely high through these first four games. Even the Chicago game, it was much higher than C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard's. At some point, that's going to change. And Dame's going to have nights where he gets his. And C.J.'s going to have nights where he gets his. Rodney Hood will get hot for a night. Anthony Simons will come off the bench and drop 15 to 20. So to me, I don't think 18-point-a-game average is sustainable. Could you do it, you know, Every three out of five games? Yeah. 
yeah. but not on a per-night basis. Yeah, I don't think it's realistic just based on the amount of guys that need touches. Yeah. And I think that there's a concerted effort to make sure that Melo gets involved yes. sooner yeah. rather than later just to get him used to playing with these guys. So, yeah, I would I would lead towards the under on that. But, man, if if you're getting a guy that comes off the streets that you picked up off the waiver yeah. and he is your starting four and he's putting up 15 points a night, yeah. let's say. That that would have been higher than any of our expectations when they signed him a week and a half ago. 100%. Yeah. And so just based on that through the first four games, um, this has been a win for the Blazers. Even if, if this honeymoon phase fizzles out and doesn't turn out to be much, yeah. I mean, they got a starting power forward for a, a month or so. Yeah. Um, but let's see where this thing goes. The one thing that I did learn uh, over the past few games is that Melo still has something left in the tank. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this guy belongs in the league. And he's motivated to prove something, too, to all those teams who refuse to sign him right. for a year. Right, and there's so many, I guess, like, stories or different guys that people push for that you want to see come back or may have something left. Well, this is the side of things that it actually works. Yeah. And to your point, like, he's playing big minutes and could play more. Uh, so I, I really like that. Uh, it's been a great fit. To, to your point, Jared, about just how the dynamic w- with the way the Blazers want to do things. And he's like the nice piece that fits right into that offensively. Yeah. You know, um, there's still a lot of questions on what he's going, how he's going to impact this team when the shot isn't falling. Yeah. How, how, well, we it may have seen it against Cleveland. Yeah, and we all know what happened in that Cleveland yeah, game. Exactly. Like, it, it wasn't a good story. So that was the big thing that I took away from this was that, okay, Melo still has some juice or some bop, as he would say. Uh, and, and that was good to see. And that's something that the Portland Tra- Trailblazers can benefit on right now when they need someone desperately at that position. And he's not only come in, but he's filled a starting role yep. with starting minutes. So it's going to be fun to, to watch this as, as it goes beyond this. But as of right now, this has been a, a win for the Blazers. I don't think that it's something that can be sustained uh, to your guys' – you know, that, that you guys said – um, asking for 25 and 8, I think, <laughs> no, is, no, is that's just a, a um, massive ask for, for somebody who uh, is in the twilight years of his career. Do you think he can sustain his overall production that you've seen over these four games, though? Where you've got, like Nate said, and he's totally right, I think Melo has had two below-average games and two good games. His yeah. game against the Bucks was he played really yes, well. Yes, he yeah. did. I think you're going to get a lot of that, you know, and when you're looking at the big picture, you're going to take it right down the middle and say, all right, you know what, 12 and four or 12 and five from this guy. I mean, that's that's pretty good offensively. While while the bad games, we know it can hurt them in the case of the Cleveland game. We saw firsthand how that can impact the Blazers. At the same time, the fact that he can have these good games in terms of just a defense and how the opponents defend the Blazers has a major impact that he can have these good games and has shown already that he can knock down shots and be aggressive as a scorer to try to take some of that pressure off Dame and CJ for their games moving forward. Did you guys notice how much that opened things up for them? Oh, one hundred percent. The amount yeah. of layups that Dame and CJ were getting when and they wanted it wasn't them. just Mello. Rodney Hood has been great with right. three ball so far this year, and he hit a couple early against Chicago as well. So that established, well, okay, now both Mello and Rod. It's kind of what 
the dream blazer scenario yes. has been with Dame and CJ. You had two guys on the outside <laughs> who can shoot and score on their own. You had your big man in the middle who can finish up close to the rim, and then you let Dame and CJ control the rest of the offense. Like and part of me, that's kind of why I was thinking Dame was so excited. No kidding. <laughs> it was like relief. Like thank you. It was every. Like I don't have to do everything. Think of how many nights he dreamed of having a five-man <laughs> lineup out, out there like that and have it operate the way it did against right. the Bulls. I think that's one of the reasons he was probably so excited. We saw him waving, you know, for Carmelo after his dunk, you know. I think he was like probably... the best hype man out there. Exactly. And also, we've talked all these things we've talked on the court. I think Melo has brought some juice to this team off yes. the court just with his presence being on the team. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, yep. one of the best scorers in NBA history, and you have a mix of guys who competed against him even when he was really good and a group of guys who have grown up idolizing mm -hmm. him on the roster, and I think it brought a new juice to this team who really needed it. I agree. Question number two. The Blazers have completed a brutal 18-game stretch that included 13 road games and maybe the most challenging of the season. The Blazers finished 6-12, and 12, well below expectations. So, guys, despite the record, some are hopeful that Portland can turn this season around. Are you guys one of those believers? Why or why not? Okay, I'll take the start on this one because we know a couple weeks ago I said I'm going to jump ship again because that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I roll. I love jumping ship. Oh, it's my man. favorite. It's my flip-flopping. It's my favorite thing to do on this podcast. <laughs> but I'm not going to do it again this <laughs> was, week yet. I wanted to I'm, hear it, man. I'm not going to do it quite yet. I'm not jumping back on that Blazers bandwagon. You need more than one win need, against I, a bad team. <laughs> I need more than that. But uh, I will say this. I can see a blueprint now for how this mm. team could find success mm -hmm. moving forward, which I didn't see before the Bulls game. Because that Bulls game, it looked like the Blazers have now finally, after 18 games, solidified a rotation. Mm. And the starting five we know of Lillard, McCollum, Hood, Anthony, Whiteside. As long as those guys stay healthy, that's their starting five. We saw Scalabissier come off the bench. Nasir Lill, Anthony Simons, Kent Bazemore. What I liked about that nine-man rotation is you could identify what each player's role was going to be mm. when they were supposed to be out there on the floor, including the bench players. Mm -hmm. Kent Bazemore's role is going to be to play great defense on the perimeter and be asked to hit a couple of shots occasionally. Anthony Simon's job is going to be to come in and score. Nasir mm -hmm. Little's job is going to be to do those little things Al Farouk Aminu did, give energy, get rebounds. And Scalabissier, he's going to have to carry a big load, you know, being really the only front court guy off the bench but he excelled in that role mm -hmm. against Chicago. And He's still, doing a pretty good job, And too. it's still it's an identified role for him mm -hmm. to fill. And then on the starting lineup, you've got Damon CJ, you got two shooters, and you got Whiteside. So yeah. I like that it looks like they finally have a rotation where guys know what they're supposed to do, and maybe they're supposed to get some cohesion. You know? <laughs> what, where are we going? Where are you laughing at? Hey, you – you sound like a believer today. Man, you didn't, you didn't <laughs> let me get to the butt. I was just about to say butt. <laughs> I'm not jumping ship. I'm still jumping ship. No. But, hey, these Blazers are amazing. <laughs> not going that far yet, my friend. You I thought they were me... 12 and 6 for a minute there. <laughs> you got to let me fit. Hey, the Bulls game did a number on all of us, man. We're all still trying to calculate how we're supposed to be. Talk, talk to me again in five hours. If they lose right. Oklahoma City, we'll have a completely different conversation. You didn't let me get to the butt, all right, all right, all right. which I was about to get get to here's a punchline <laughs> but their margin for error is still super slim yeah like think of everything that went right in that bulls game Whiteside was engaged he was impactful both offensively and defensively 
We've seen already this year, you're not going to get that night in and night out, and they need that from him. Carmelo Anthony must be able to knock down outside shots and take advantage of his ISO opportunities like he did against the Bulls. But we saw in Cleveland when that didn't work out and the Blazers suffered. Scalabissier, as I said, he's going to have to shoulder a ton of the front court duty off the bench. Simons must score consistently off the bench to give him that punch off the bench. Like There's a lot of things that have to go right for Portland in order to sustain success long-term this season. Not to mention, they have to stay healthy. Yes. If one of these nine guys I've talked about gets hurt, that rotation is suddenly out of whack, and you're trying to find minutes for Mario Hazonia and Gary Trent, and the Blazers can't have that moving forward. The other thing working in the Blazers' favor is their next 18 games, while the first 18 were tough, the next 18 are favorable. 12 of them are at home, and 12 of them are against teams 500 or below. So maybe they can start making up some ground. That 18-game stretch would take them to January 5th, and we'll see where they are 36 games into the season at that point. The reason I'm not jumping ship yet, despite all those good things I said, (laughs) is I don't think everything I talked about can happen consistently for Portland, and they need it to happen for them to win games. You know how uh, people say Christmas is like the day when you you figure out where they're at? I like that you brought up January 5th. I think that January 5th is the day that we know – who the Portland Trail Blazers are, yeah. and what the rest of the season could look like for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I am still a believer. Of course. Yes. Shocking. I, yeah, it's not a surprise. <laughs> I don't think – did you ever stop becoming a believer at any point? <laughs> Just curious. A little bit after the Cleveland game. Okay. I think if they had followed up that Cleveland loss with a loss to the Bulls, yeah. I would have – Jump oh, we all would be. Yeah. yeah this, yep. If they had lost to the Bulls, we would. That would have been it. Yeah. You would have heard none of the good things I talked about for three minutes. I, I think that the thing that was interesting for me with the Bulls game is that that was the first time we'd seen this iteration of the Blazers yes. healthy and all playing together. I mean, they've had so many injuries, and it's not just been Zach Collins, and obviously they've been without Nurkic. It's been all these other little injuries that have, like you said, Nate, they've forced guys who should not be playing into prominent roles. Yes. And that's, I think, been the biggest reason they've, they've been so bad. And let's not sugarcoat it. They've been really, really bad. Yes. This has been a very bad basketball team up to this point. But they showed something in that Bulls game. And, again, it's one game and it was a bad opponent. But they did show something. They showed a blueprint, like you said. Um, they're back home now. You know, 12 of their next 18, 12 of their next 16 are at home. They look like they're as healthy as this roster can be right now at this point. Let's hope that continues. Um, and Melo's presence has just injected some life into this team, into this locker room. They have to stay healthy. If if they have more injuries and they have to put these guys who shouldn't be playing into the into the lineup, it's going to hurt them. But right now, they're only three games out of the eighth spot in the West. I'm glad you brought this up because, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, yes, they're 6-12, and 12, but they haven't dug themselves such a large hole that they can't climb out of it. You know, the, the bottom of the West is not that strong right now. No. And so the, that spot is there for the Blazers to, to push towards. If you look at this, like, let's consider an NFL team. Let's say there's an NFL team that is expected to be very good, and they get 20% of their way into the season, which is where we are right now with the Blazers. We're 20% way, you know, of the way through the season. That would be an NFL team starting one and two. Yeah. A team that you expect to be good in the NFL – they start one and two, you're not all of a sudden saying, okay, there's no chance they can make the playoffs. Depends on the fan base you're talking about. But, yes, same fan bases would not jump to that conclusion. And so I think that that's where the Blazers are right now. I don't think we should discount their chances of 
of pushing back, especially with the history this team has under Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Terry Stotts of sometimes getting off to a slow start and then making a big push in the second half of the season to make the playoffs. The next 16 or 18 games, I agree with you, are critical. They've got a lot of home games. They've got games they can win. I looked at it to get back to 500 by the new year. Yep. These next 16 games, they'd have to go 11 and 5 in their next 16. Looking at what this team has done up to this point, I don't think you can say that that is a realistic goal. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this team turns a page and starts and, and gets on a hot streak because they're at home. They're playing against teams they can beat and they look like they have a blueprint, like you said. So, yeah, I'm still a believer. I mean, I still think this team is going to make the playoffs, but these next 16 games are critical. If by, you know, the new year things haven't turned around, then we'll know what this team is. I was a believer. I w- I've been on, on Jared's side throughout all of this. Yeah, y'all have been against me. I know. I <laughs> We've know. been against you. Yep. This is how <laughs> this podcast always goes. We're, we're yeah. trying to show you the way, man, but yeah. you just don't seem to I, listen. I'm too young and ignorant, man. I'm still, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still in my 20s. Let me do my dumb people things. <laughs> but I will say doubt has started to creep in for me. Oh, yeah. After that Cleveland game, man, because I started to th- look at the schedule – as okay, where are my automatic wins? Yeah, well, when they and can't all be of bad, a sudden, when they can't be bad teams, there are no automatic Ws. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And that Cleveland game was the one for me that said, okay, I'm starting to view this team differently. That was the nail in the coffin. Not, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take me off of the bandwagon. Okay. Well, I'm there's th- still plenty of room on my ship. Whenever you <laughs> want to come I'm over, still, my friend. if I've got to pick a side, I'm still sticking. <laughs> To the believer side, I'm keeping three seats warm for you and Jared and I, Max. I appreciate that, man. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind I think having Nate a great seat. Has one leg over the rail on his own ship right now. I still don't believe that he has a <laughs> you think, ship. You think I only have half a seat over <laughs> yes. on my ship right now? <laughs> Tries to re- reserve as many seats as possible. Yeah. But right now, man, that that's the way that. Um, I've been looking at this team is based on those games that I think that they should win versus yeah. the ones that they don't. And they're, they've just been head scratchers to me. And the main thing for me is, is it comes down to, can these guys catch a break? Can they, can they stay healthy for a yes. little while? Uh, and Jared, that's what it is, man. It's yeah. The Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic, like those hurt, but it's all the little ones. Dame missing a couple of games here. Whiteside missing a couple of games yeah. here. It's all of those. They, they can't find, a flow because yeah. of that, because of the, you know, finding your, your true role on this team. Mm-hmm. They're having to be all over the place. And I think that that's affecting this team more than anything, more than play calling, more than uh, just the way that they're, they're functioning on the court. It's just like you have to have your identity. You have to know your role. You have to understand who you are. And for a lot of these guys, they're still trying to find it or aren't able to be in that role because of these injuries. So I think that so much of that is going to play in the future success of this team moving forward because we've seen what happens when one or two guys are out. It just cripples this team, and they turn into a bottom feeder in this league. One thing I thought about after the Bulls game, and while my butt was halfway back onto the Blazers (laughs) ship, as you guys like to say, yeah. uh, was should we consider, assuming the Blazers can stay healthy moving forward, should we consider kind of like their first 17 games, like their training camp and preseason? 
I think, because, yeah. it's They're it, playing like it, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it hurts in terms of record, you know, what they posted being 5-12 and 12 during those first 17 games. But think about what you've spent training camp and preseason doing. Mm-hmm. You f- try to figure out rotations, where guys can play, what you want each player to do out there on the court. And the Blazers had that, but they had that with a different group yeah. than what mm-hmm. they have what they currently are throwing out there and what we assume they're going to have with moving forward. So if you want to take it with that perspective that, okay, they went through all these lineup changes due to injury, due to underperformance, whatever it was, and now they finally have this set lineup like any healthy team would going into the regular season. We're going, we're moving forward with these nine or ten guys and let's see how it goes. I think if you wanted to be optimistic as a Blazers fan, you could kind of take that perspective and you talked about just having the same five guys out there. I don't think it's an accident that on Monday when Whiteside, Anthony, Hood, Lillard, and McCollum finally all started together, that was the first game this year all five starters scored in double figures mm-hmm. for the Blazers. I don't think that's a coincidence. So there's your my butt half back on the Blazers bandwagon <laughs> uh, moment. But I this whole seems... I'm, it's not insurmountable Mm-mm. because of the fact the other teams in the West that are at the eight seed right now, Phoenix is 500 right now, Minnesota's the seventh seed, and they're only one game above yeah. 500. And do you guys envisioning those teams being much better than 500 by the end of the year? No. So maybe 500 is good enough mm-hmm. to make the playoffs this year where it wouldn't have been in the past. And if that's the case, I think you Blazers fans could reasonably see this team playing six games above 500 the rest of the way. I'm still not there to the point where I'm ready to say that's going to happen. I like what you said, Orlando, about can they catch a break? Mm -hmm. Because up to this point in the season, and the Blazers deserve a lot of the credit for how they've started, but they have also had every single thing go wrong. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong up to this point. I mean, barring catastrophic injury to Damian Lillard or something. Sure. And so maybe maybe they're due. Maybe they start to catch some breaks now. Maybe – Carmelo is better than people expected. Maybe Hassan Whiteside is able to stay healthy and looks more engaged as he becomes more familiar with this lineup that they have now. I don't know. I mean, that's just speculation, but maybe the tide turns. Yeah, the the one of the greatest, I guess, reasons to still be on the bandwagon and, and still believers, the fact that time is still on their side. Yes. And this hole is not too deep to get out of. No. There are still 64 games left in this season. Yeah, and as you mentioned, three games. Yep. I mean, with two weeks left in the year, we'd be saying three games is insurmountable. We got four months left in the season. Long way to go. Long way. All right, as I mentioned before, you can catch these answers on KGW.com. Question number three, it's prediction time, guys. Nate, you want to get us up to speed on where we are record-wise for our season-long predictions? So last week, as you guys know, I decided to take a gamble. (laughs) <laughs> I was. I said, I don't think the Blazers are going to win both games against Cleveland and Chicago. And while I was right on your, that your theory point, was correct. Yes, I picked the wrong games as to which <laughs> one they would lose and which one they would win. I thought they would beat Cleveland and lose to Chicago. The opposite happened. So my lead is gone. I'm not the leader anymore. Orlando, my friend, yeah. fresh off your rip it victory last week. Yeah. <laughs> you are now the season predictions leader at 11-7. and seven, and me and Jared are we're still only one game behind you. We're at 10 and 8 now so far this it's year. A very tight race. It's yeah. very close. So here we go guys. The Blazers they play four games before uh, we record our next podcast. They've got a home game tonight against the Thunder who are 6 and 10 on the season. Then they're at home again Friday against the Bulls who are 6 and 12. 
Tuesday, they make the trip to face the L.A. Clippers. And then they're back home on Wednesday to take on the Kings, who are 7-9. and nine. Which games do the Blazers win? Which games do the Blazers lose? I'll start. So I think that they're going to build on their momentum from the Bulls game, and I think they're going to – they've got two winnable games at home against the Thunder and the Bulls, so I'm going to pick them to win both of those games. Yes. I don't think I – mean, there's the slimmest of chances that they would <laughs> – they did play the, the Clippers they played on the them. road. I mean, the Clippers have Paul George back now, but right. they did play them very tough when they played them down there a couple weeks ago. And it is a TNT game. I mean, there's a possibility, but I'm not going to pick them to beat the Clippers on the road. The Kings are the one that I really had to think about. The Kings <laughs> deserve some credit. They've they started out 0-5, and, and they've won 7 of 11 since. They've had some good wins. They beat Portland. And it's a back-to-back for the Blazers. They're coming off that, you know, it's a, a road-to-home back-to-back, too. So I really thought about the Kings here, but I got to believe in the Blazers. I think that this is going to be a really hard-fought, close game, and I'm going to pick the Blazers to pull it out. You and I continue to be on the same page with our believer route on this, so it only makes sense that I also double down in the prediction category. So I believe this is a 3 and one week. As you said, two winnable games at home, and... If our theory is correct on they can turn the tide, like this is the week yep. that, that has to, we have to see some evidence of that. And a three-game win streak uh, would be a, a pleasant surprise and, and something that the Blazers need moving forward. I don't see them beating the Clippers, but crazy things have happened before this season. But um, that's, that's well, my take. Three and one this week. Those crazy things that have happened, though, have all been negative to the Blazers. <laughs> for the Blazers. I not mean, in, generally, not in the positive. In the generally past. in the NBA. Oh, okay. Oh, not not involving the Blazers. Oh, okay. There we but go. But crazy things have happened in the NBA. Like, who would have thought the, uh, the uh, Warriors would be at the bottom of the West? Uh, yeah. I, whoever picked them to win the title is a real <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know who would have done that. Uh, so, after risking it all last week and losing my biscuits, uh, I'm going to go three and one also this week. <laughs> go the same exact oh, route. Oh, you're so you weak, guys dude. Went. You're so weak. Sorry, I had to bring that <laughs> Come sauce on. in here. Had to do it. Um, actually, Jared talked about the Sacramento game. The game that I think could actually be a real stumbling block, and maybe I'm just being stubborn with my bulls. Chicago? Is Chicago, because, yeah. I mean, they were embarrassed yeah. yep. on their home yep. court yeah. by the Blazers, and they're going to come in on Friday night. You know, just four days removed from that loss, they're still going to feel the sting of that mm-hmm. when they come in. And I think they're going to want to come in and prove something against Portland. And so I think that game could be a little closer than we anticipate it should be. Uh, but in the end, I think they go – I'm going to give them some credit. I'm going to say they go 3-1, and one, lose to the Clippers, beat the other three. Those poor Bulls didn't just uh, they were suffer l- the humi- humiliation of a loss at home. They also suffered the humiliation of – having their fans root for the team that was beating them. <laughs> and, That's so true. And it wasn't even the Lakers. Like, you might right. come across that with a franchise like the Lakers, but it was the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> That's probably the first time in Dame's career that's happened. <laughs> they were openly cheering for Melo. Yeah. Like, they wanted a, an encore with the way Carmelo was playing, and that game was so out of reach. They wanted him to beat the snot out of the Bulls. And he was the one who asked to come out because <laughs> yeah. he was winded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this is a, a lot of fun. Here And we've had a lot of success with this lately, and um, I've really enjoyed this part of it. I'm glad that uh, Jared uh, has been pushing for this to have other people reach out to us. And we have a ton of email from our listeners. You've got mail. 
three on three blazers at gmail Good work, Jared. Jared's <laughs> producing today. Yes. So he was the one on he's the one on the buttons and the bells and whistles. The button did not work. He's but, holding sorry. it down, man. <laughs> Let's try it again. Let's see. You've got mail. Oh, there it <laughs> is. It's a, it's a little. It's a oh, little. Did you hear it? Yeah. yeah. It's, a little, oh, yeah. it's a little quieter, but I it's didn't there. hear it in my ear at all. <laughs> it's, it's a little quieter, but it's there. So yeah, um, we've we been need you, Max, for, for comments. Yeah, Max. Shout out to Max. Now you're doing a great job, Jared. No, but but uh, yeah, we've been reaching out to folks, and we've had a lot of success with it. And um, it's fun to to get your perspective, your point of view. It's uh, better than ours sometimes. <laughs> I'm not ready to go all in. <laughs> but uh, let's start with Ben Finnegan on Monday, who emailed us and said, "With the way Scal is playing, do you think that he would be a potential trade piece?" By the December 15th mark. This was a really interesting question because maybe I've had my head in a hole and <laughs> I've just been amazed they continue to get this production out of Scalab this year, but I hadn't thought of him as a potential trade piece. And we'll have to see where the Blazers are and what they would be interested in adding. But I'd have to imagine that, yeah, he would be a potential trade piece for them if I mean, you're not going to let Scalabissier stop you from going and getting a starting four or a three if you're the Blazers. So, yeah, I would say he is. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, teams are going to be – the Blazers are, they have these big expiring contracts, but other than them being expiring contracts, it's not a lot of value. No. And so they're, the Blazers are going to have to supplement that with good young players or draft picks, and I think you can throw Scalabissier into that good young player – Roll now. I mean, he's averaging seven points, five boards, a block in like 17 minutes per game. He's a good role player. He's a good rotation player. And I was thinking about he is young, but he's coming up at the end of his rookie contract. But he has a qualifying offer next season for $3.5 million, which means that any team that traded for him would have him on a cheap contract this season, and then they have his restricted free agency rights next season. So that adds even more value. So, yeah, I think that he's a good trade piece if if the right trade is out there and, and a team wants him the only thing i disagree with because all of that is right is just the blazers kind of need him <laughs> yeah. yeah so <laughs> they, they do but if that's you're, hard to to give away uh someone at a position where you're slim at but if you're wanting to make a move that's going to impact this year's team i don't see how you you're going to have to give up mm -hmm. a, an extra person who is helping you yeah. this year and so they're not going to – I don't think they're going to let that person be Anthony Simons, and I don't no. think they want to trade Zach Collins at all either, despite the injury. So you're running out of young talent yeah. to deal away with. Yeah. And at that point, you just have Mr. Little, Scalabissier, and draft picks at that yeah. point. I think if it's the right trade and the other team asks for Scal, you're going to say yes. Yeah, agreed. All right, so let's go on to Twitter. Oh, it's your boy. <laughs> Matthew at Reverend Romulus. Here we go. <laughs> he always comes with good questions. Oh, yes, he yeah. Does. Matthew brings the this heat. This one's great. Appreciate you, man. All right. He says, can we already consider Melo's stay with the Blazers more successful than his last two teams? Yes. Even while <laughs> accepting that it will end awkwardly when the team <laughs> cuts him? To make room to trade for Draymond Green and Kevin Love? <laughs> He's putting both there. They're going <laughs> to trade for Draymond and Kevin. Loaded <laughs> yes. question there. The initial answer to that question is yes, we can consider Melo's stay with the Blazers more successful, I think, just because he won them a game already. <laughs> and I don't know if anyone would have, if any of us thought that that would have happened, especially this early. Um, as far as him being cut at the end of the year or at the end of this non guaranteed contract, 
I feel I was pretty certain before they signed him that there was no way he was going to make it through those two months and finish the year with the Blazers. Now I'm I'm not <laughs> so sure. Now we'll have to see. Yeah, I think I would. If I had to bet on it, I think that I'd bet that he sticks with the Blazers the rest of the season. Let's say I I don't think they're trading for Draymond Green and Kevin Love, but let's say they traded for Kevin Love. He's a power forward. I think that he's probably going to start even over Carmelo Anthony. So. Does Carmelo Anthony moving to the bench work? I mean, I think that's a good question. But what if they move Carmelo Anthony to the three? Three, yeah. You know, and he still gets to start? I think there's ways to make it work. If Carmelo Anthony continues to play at the level he's playing at now, there are ways to make it work, even if they make a trade for for another star. That's good stuff, because when this first started, it felt more likely that this would end awkwardly with a ton of bad PR from the Blade, you know, from fans that wanted to see Melo succeed. Yeah, it wouldn't be good for both sides in the end, we felt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we're somewhat in a different place only after a few games. After a week. Yeah, <laughs> which is super interesting. But this all could blow up and it could end awkwardly. Yeah. All right. Great question from Matthew, as usual. Gary Powell checking in on Twitter as well. Did the Blazers give Carmelo Anthony double zero to emphasize the amount of defense he'll be playing? <laughs> oh, shots fired, man. <laughs> that seems like the first time you've read that question there, Arlo. <laughs> like you were prepared for what was coming at the end of it. Why, why don't you address it here right off the bat? I, I just didn't expect it to go that, that south, yeah, man. Yeah, that was a – tell Gary. Did, did, did Nate send this in? Nate, are you Gary Powell? I am not Gary Powell. Uh, I told you. My goodness. I think we all knew what, what uh, the Blazers were getting with Carmelo Anthony, yeah. right? I, I, don't, I think we clearly stated there is going to be no to very little help on defense <laughs> with this acquisition. So, I mean, it's not like it's a surprise that he's not, you know, giving them great defensive effort. Well, he's giving them effort, but right. just in terms of playing good defense, it's not a surprise that that's not happening. As far as the double zero goes, they didn't, seven was reportedly unavailable because it was Brandon Roy's mm-hmm. number. And Carmelo wore seven. Mm-hmm. And I told Jared, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure like, I think on, you're right. on Instagram, yeah. Carmelo's been doing like a 007 thing, mm-hmm. which I think is where the birth of the double zero comes from. Which is pretty cool, I have to say. Listen, Carmelo's defense is not good. We know that. But it could be worse. Could I actually be. looked up his, his numbers. When he's been on the court, their defensive rating is 110.4. As a team overall, it's 110.6. So... Theoretically, technically, he's making them better defensively. <laughs> oh, Jared, turning it around on his head. Also, small, 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 small sample size. But that starting lineup right now, Dame, CJ Hood, Mello, and Whiteside, 100 defensive rating. All right. Against the Bulls. So, so hold on up, to these receipts, <laughs> yes. Gary Powell. Check back with us in a couple of weeks, and let's see where we stand with that question. But I love it. Shots fired, man. All right. <laughs> let's move on to uh, Georgie. J-O-R-J? George, I think. George? Let's go with George. All right, George. Chances we sign Jamal Crawford. I even saw C.J. McCollum was out there, you know, pushing for someone to sign this man. Uh, Zero, just because the Blazers, they don't need guard help. In fact, if Anthony Simons progresses this year, they may find themselves in a bit of a guard quandary moving forward. So, uh, no on Jamal Crawford. Yeah, I would stunt. Anthony Simon's development, so yeah. I don't I don't see a role for him here. All right, Greg. How long do you think the Carmelo honeymoon will last? Are we talking weeks, months, 
Well, we're one week into it, and <laughs> so far so good. And I guess. after one game, yeah, yeah we're, <laughs> we're all very, we're all very pleased and happy right now. It's like it's like the beginning of a bumpy marriage. Like we had a really good first week. Let's see how this rolls <laughs> moving forward. Oh, how long is the honeymoon gonna last? I mean, unless his unless his play just completely falls off a yeah, cliff, they need him. He's he's a good dude to root for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I mean, you saw that thing with with his wife holding up the FaceTime phone with with his son his 12-year-old son, I mean, it's it's really hard not to root for this guy, especially since he was out of the league for a year. Mm-hmm. And the way you see it now, it's like, why wasn't he in the league? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carmelo can still play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. So he's really easy to root for, and now he's the Blazers' underdog to root for. So, like, he's the kind of player that Blazers fans generally get behind. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to say the honeymoon itself, because the honeymoon isn't the entire marriage. Um, True. I'm gonna say the honeymoon lasts another week or two, um, just because this he's finally home this week. So that's what the second week is gonna be about. Oh yeah, getting to see him play for the Blazers in the Moda. So I'll give it another two weeks, and then at that point, if the team is still struggling, I think the honeymoon period will be over. Yeah, I'll take a month. Okay, I'll go with a month on this as well. But um, as you mentioned, like if if there's any sign of him playing well, or you know, just a good game here or there. The fan base here loves him. Yeah. Like this has been really fun to watch this quickly. It reminds me of how people really embraced Ennis last year. Yeah. You know, like Carmelo's turning into that, but you're talking about a Hall of Famer, yeah. a future Hall of Famer here, and he carries that star power that's probably arguably greater than Damian Lillard's. Yeah, I mean he's definitely brought renewed interest mm-hmm. into the Portland Trailblazers. There's no doubt. Yeah, and at six and twelve, the power of him playing well against the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean think, like we forgot about it. Think for the about night. if the Blazers were six and twelve in any other year, no one nationally would Mm-mm. be talking about the Blazers. No. But people still kind of are nationally because of the fact that Carmelo Anthony's on the team, and now he has one really jaw-dropping performance under his belt. Carmelo Anthony has always been one of the most popular players in the NBA overall. And I never really understood it before. I was always like, he's kind of a ball hog. He doesn't play good defense. But now, and again, it's been four games, but watching him play for the team that you care about, I can understand why why so many fans love him. Why Knicks fans just love him. Yeah, he's yeah. just, he's fun to watch play. And he he's just, he's a, a fun, engaging personality. I mean, mm. so I don't know. I Unless everything goes wrong, I don't see the honeymoon ending i think that blazers fans are going to be happy with them going forward so you're saying i should go get a mellow jersey what's that, that over here <laughs> are, are you saying that you already ordered a mellow why, jersey I and did not, I have why not wouldn't you get a carmelo anthony jersey just to have a blazers mellow jersey yeah. i mean <laughs> maybe i'll have 007 on the back instead of just uh, the double o there I, we go yeah man i'm still waiting for the debut of your anthony simons oh that's jersey. Com- that's coming i want it to be a full house when we do that's, that that's fair so we've got a couple more comments to get to um Back to our uh, Gmail um, account here. We got a couple more emails. These are not these are not questions. These uh, are these are comments that came into the inbox. But we still <laughs> feel like you know I, there are other fans who relate to. We're, we're going to give you the platform their, is yeah, what we're saying. Let's huh? do it. Yeah, let's do it. Oh man, this is where the wheels come off. Thanks for sticking with us. Forty six <laughs> yeah. minutes into the pod, you will be there's rewarded. All, there's only a couple left here. <laughs> TBA Knicks wrote this on Saturday. Correct. Yes. Correct. TBA Nick says, <laughs> we are a gullible fan base. Carmelo is a Band-Aid and not a very good one. Notice how silent Damien is when the team is losing? 
Christmas is a month <laughs> away, and Blazers need to start tanking and rebuilding fast. Nurk is better for next year, and Zach also. Man, I, you can feel this email had to have been sent after, after the Cleveland Yeah, I feel Saturday. the pain in this email can, as well. And and at that time, it's a totally it it's a good it's a fine take at that time of night. Like, what were we all thinking on <laughs> yeah. Saturday oh, night? Yeah, the people, where were your thoughts on Saturday night? Well, I mean, maybe not in the full tank mode. I saw a lot of this stuff on Blazers Twitter after yeah, that Cleveland okay. game. This is very yeah. It was lottery. The word lottery mm-hmm. was starting to come up. Yep. Yeah. See, for me, I didn't have to think about it as much. It was like icing on the cake for such a bad local sports day yep. yeah. because the Beavers lost, the Ducks lost. Like, it was just a really bad sports day for Oregon sports um, in general. So they kind of got a pass for me until the next day when I realized just how bad it was. Yeah. yeah. All right. One last listener comment. This through- one was sent back. Uh, a couple weeks ago. I would say, was that, is this a typo on the sheet, but that's the real thing? No, date? that is when we first put the email together and a few weeks ago we said, hey, send in your questions. Um, this was the first one that came in and it wasn't a question, so I didn't put it down on the list. But I think that we decided that if you take the time to send in a comment and your thoughts about the Blazers, we're going to give you we're going to give you uh the platform here, like Orlando said. Well, TBA Knicks set the tone here. Yeah. So can well, Bill Looney? Speak, speaking of Knicks, that's that's the <laughs> that's part of this question. Yes. So go in. Bill Looney on November eighth sent mm. this email. Thank you, Bill. With a new owner of the team in the near future, with Lillard's shooting attempts and percentage plus low assist totals, a liability. Trade Lillard to Knicks along with Zach Collins for three first round picks. Forward Julius Randle, Kevin Knox, and a point guard. When Nurkic is back, watch how much they improve with team basketball. No championship will ever come with the $50 million a year Lillard. There's a heat. Lot. There's, There's a some lot. heat on There's that. There's a lot to unpack with that one. So first off, they're not trading Damian Lillard, uh, even t- in this hypothetical, if things go, if the Blazers don't win another game the rest of the year, they're not trading Damian Lillard after this season. I think Bill here is part of the very, 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 very small minority of Blazers fans yeah. that do not like Damian Lillard. Yeah. That's what I take from this yeah. comment. And, and people have argued that he doesn't help in terms of team flow, but they managed to make the Western Conference Finals last year. Now, when Nurkic is back, watch at how they improved with team basketball. I mean, I don't know why you have to trade Lillard and then have Nurkic come back for team basketball to work. We saw it work last year with those two. And when Nurkic comes back, if he is able to be anything like we saw last year, that will be a huge lift yes. for the Portland Trail Blazers. Now the last one, no championship will ever come with $50 million a year Lillard. Now that one, I think, has a little bit of staying power because that is – a lot to put into one player. And I'm not saying the Blazers shouldn't have paid him that. Lillard deserves every penny he should make, and the Blazers pay him every penny he should make. But the rule of being able to pay players more with the team they're currently on and came up with seems to have backfired a little bit on franchises because in terms of salary cap, it does put you in more of a bind to build the team around that star player. So there may be something to that. It may be tough to build a championship contender around a guy making $50 million a year. But the Blazers had no choice. This was a no-brainer. Go and do it. Yeah, I agree. I think that rather than uh, trade Damian Lillard uh, 
where he can go play his home games in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I'd rather them continue to build around Damian Lillard. He's a bona fide superstar, one of the top 10 players in the NBA. So go get another star. You've got a window right now in the next two years when you can make some moves to bring in one more star and see what this team can do. What What's about you, Orlando? Are you shipping Dame? <laughs> oh, come on now, man. You, <laughs> no, you got to talk to him later no. tonight. I, you, you're not going to go with that take? No, man. Uh, that I'm, Yeah, I'm not even going there, man. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, like – Fifty million a year is going to be a lot for this team, but like right now, that's a non-factor. It is, and they're not to like, that. This point is not yet. an that's issue at right the now. End yeah. of Dame's contract, they're not to that fifty million dollars. Right, and would yet. would this would Bill feel the same way if he was making thirty-five a year? Like, I feel like he would be locked into the no championship idea, regardless. That's a good point. And Damian Lillard, as you mentioned, is a is a bona fide star, and right now, the best point guard in the NBA. Yeah. Because Steph Curry's out. You can yep. make that argument when he comes back. What about Doncic, man? Yeah, he's a stud too. But yeah, that's man. a good that's a good point. But I'm st- uh, right he's now incredible. at this point in time, um Damian Lillard is is on the throne. Yes. All yeah. right, guys. We appreciate everybody who who uh get let us know how they're feeling. Give yes. us some questions. Uh this is good stuff, man. I, I really enjoy this part of it. Uh sorry we couldn't give you the rip it that you d- so so deserve. During the holiday spirit, as we get into Thanksgiving, we spoke nice about Max earlier, but you should blame Max if you're upset about that. <laughs> hit him up on Twitter yeah. at Max and Bar is where you can find him on Twitter. Speaking of Thanksgiving, guys, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food, and what is your least favorite Thanksgiving food that you won't even touch? Uh, my favorite is mashed potatoes, and Whew. some people will with come- gravy. Uh, I've grown to put gravy on it, but I still prefer it without gravy. Okay. Um, but now I'm not near as picky about it as I used to be. Um, some people will come at me, you can have mashed potatoes, and I don't care. No. I don't care if I have it any time of year. Thanksgiving mashed potatoes are different than every other day of the year mashed potatoes. They're different. Man. So give me some mashed potatoes. And I don't know, do you guys do like cranberries on Thanksgiving or anything? Yeah, I, don't, I, I have don't, in the past. I don't touch cranberries. No way. Yeah, that that's the easy part of this question. Yeah, what are you not? I'm throwing touching? out cranberries, man. Cranberries, cranberries are gone. Yeah, I, I don't mess with what that. What about green bean casserole? Just, it just gets. Oh yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get down with I that. I like oh, green bean casserole. Man. That's yeah. good stuff. I'll that get that down would with be that. my second one to go. Oh. Ship, it, ship it on your guys's Blazers bandwagon <laughs> over there. Get, put all the potatoes next to me on my ship. <laughs> what about your favorite? Uh, as, as far as the favorite, if mashed potatoes are definitely part of the star, like the star of the show for me. Yeah, but. I discount it a little bit because I will have mashed potatoes throughout the year. Mm. So for me, I'm going stuffing. I love stuffing. Stuffing is so good. Yeah, like I could take stuffing over turkey. Yeah. So I'm going to go stuffing as uh, the first part of your question there. How about you, man? So I think um, cranberries are fine. I can take them or leave them. I actually like like after Thanksgiving, like a a cranberry and turkey sandwich is good. Mm. Leftovers um, we're talking now. Getting into a whole new ball game. Oh, yeah. But my my least favorite holiday food is sweet yams. Oh, yeah, there's a texture problem. I do not problem like yams yeah. at all, so that I won't. Was, I won't eat those. Luckily, I have not been exposed to those in yeah, my family's sweet potatoes or yams. I just yeah. There was one time my aunt made yams, and she didn't. She made them with like butter and salt and pepper, and 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 so they were more savory than sweet, and mm-hmm. they were actually pretty good. But like candied yams, ugh, no, yeah, just. Let's keep those away from me. One thing the listeners should know about Jared is Jared cooks a little bit. I do. Uh, he uh, yet what was it? Not yesterday. It was Tuesday. So it was day- yesterday. 
Let's, oh, yeah, it's yeah, Wednesday, it's Wednesday today. Oh, <laughs> normally man, my days are all mixed Normally we tape on Thursday. <laughs> it is Wednesday today. So yesterday we have, our, we have a digital team meeting every week on the KGW digital team. And yesterday Jared made some soup for the entire team. So we man. all got lunch. Thanks to Jared. And what was the soup called? It was Zupa Toscana, if you've ever had it at Olive Garden. Um, yeah. There's sausage and potato and kale soup. Mm. Yeah, it, it was, was really a, good. Yeah, it was baller. So it, this is it was the, like Anthony Simon that's a good status compliment. level right there. My favorite Thanksgiving food is definitely, and it's because I really only have it at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it helped me get through a tough Blazers loss on Christmas <laughs> last year. It's pie. Yeah. Give me pie, man. Do you care what I type love of pie? pie. <laughs> uh, I like pumpkin. My favorite pie, though, is cherry. Cherry pie with vanilla ice cream. Do you oh, do man. cherry pie on Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Okay. Cherry, apple, and, and, and pumpkin. Well, we have to remember that during a, uh, a skid, yeah, <laughs> a, a bad next, Blazers the, run. It, so next time they lose to Cleveland, yeah. if it's the game before the podcast, we bring cherry pie for Jared on to eat while we're doing the podcast. Because he's still a Blazers believer. He is. There you go. They Maybe. could lose to Cleveland five more times, and he would still be a Blazers believer. I it's going to be a, a fun week, guys. I hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you guys for joining us. And we will be back better than ever. Where can people find you guys on Twitter? Uh, at Enhance underscore KGW. You can find me at, at Jared Cowley. And I'm at Orlando KGW. Make and sure to pick up the pod, y'all. Give us a rating. Five stars, preferably. Make sure to give us a review. We want all of it. Give it all to us. You guys can... Stream the podcast wherever podcasts are found. Spotify, Google Play, you name it. We are there. We've got you. And thank you to everyone who has jumped on board this year. It's been a lot of fun, guys. We'll run it back next week. See ya.